Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. One more time, this again, happy Father's Day. We're so grateful for all the dads that are with us today. Uh, we hope that you feel loved and celebrated. Um, if you've been around Everyday Church a while, you already know that I don't do a lot of holiday-specific messages. And so on Father's Day, Mother's Day, I just encourage you to Google 10 Ways to Be a Better Dad and call that a day. Uh, so I'm not opposed to them. I have done some, and I'm sure I will do some in the future. But by and large, there are moments I just feel like it interrupts our flow. And uh, so I just we're just going to stay in the series that we're in. So we've been uh, having a conversation. Uh, we started last week talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the truth is, is that if you'll begin to cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll be a better father. You'll be a better mother, a better son, a better daughter, a better friend, a better employee. You'll be a better person in general as you allow the fruits of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life. And so uh, we spent the last eight weeks or so talking about the Holy Spirit, who he is, about his gifts. We talked about the need for a deeper relationship with him. And we spent a lot of time talking about the initial salvation experience versus an additional deeper experience that's described in the book of Acts. Um, if we viewed our spiritual lives as a, a long path or a road, the truth is, is we're all in different places on that, on that path. But no matter where you find yourself on this road, if you are a Christ follower or if you have been born again, to use the words of Jesus from John chapter 3, then the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Even if you've not experienced the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire that we've been talking about the past several weeks. And the reason that I'm making uh, you know, such a big deal about that last week and this week is I want you to know that the fruit of the Spirit is not for a select few. It's not about Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, whatever. It's about the Spirit of God living inside of us. So if you are a Christ follower, the fruit of the Spirit should be manifesting in your life. If you're a new Christian or if you've been a Christian for 100 years, the fruit of the Spirit should be there. Listen, if there's no fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives, then we must question whether there's a root of the Spirit in our lives. Meaning if I have no love, no joy, no peace, no patience or kindness. And we'll go back and we're going to read this list that Paul gave us in Galatians 5 in a moment. But, instead of, but if instead of fruit, my life was full of what Paul calls the acts of the flesh, then I need to question whether or not the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of me. And I don't know that's a hard statement. And I referenced this last week, but Jesus cannot just be our Savior. He must also be our Lord. And if we think for a moment that we can say a non-meaningful prayer at our seat or come to an altar and say, you know, repeat after me. And we do that from time to time. 
But if we think that we can do that and never do anything else again, that's a misunderstanding of God's grace. If we think we can just live however we want to from that moment on. It's a misunderstanding of His grace or it's an abuse of His grace. Neither of which are, are good. God has called us to be people of His Spirit. Not only His gifts, which we all love, but also His fruit. And like we talked about last week, if we elevate the gifts above the fruit, we have a serious problem. Because operating in the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit will do damage to the kingdom of God. So if you're here, you're kind of new, and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, you can catch up on the podcast or YouTube. You could just kind of do, do a quick review on where we've been. Uh, let's jump into Paul's letter to the first century church in Galatia, which would have been uh, modern-day Turkey. Galatians chapter 5, 19, Paul is writing a letter to a church, and this is what he says. I encourage you to read the, read the whole book of Galatians or the whole letter of Galatians, but uh, we're focusing on just a small portion of it, but it's all very, very good. Galatians chapter 5, 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, last week I said we were going to come back to this and we were going to dig a little bit deeper. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go through this list and we're going to define these words one by one. Again, these are what Paul refers to as the acts of the flesh. These are opposite of the fruit of the spirit. And I want to preface this that as I was researching and as I studied these definitions in this passage, the deeper I got, the less I really wanted to deliver this particular message. Um, When I read through Galatians 5, it seems eerily relevant to today's culture. And that's part of how we know that the Bible is a prophetic collection of books inspired by God and breathed on by the Holy Spirit. How could a letter written to first century Turkey be so relevant to 21st century America? Only God. I have a series planned in the future uh, called Lightning Rods. And in that series, we're going to be tackling some of the most difficult subjects of our day. Politics homosexuality, racism, which we did a series on racism a couple years ago, but we're going to tackle some of these lightning rod subjects that when you're in an environment and somebody starts, throws down the LGBTQ initials, then you just everybody's hair stands up. Or when somebody talks about politics, it's like, you know what I mean? So I want to, we're going to talk about these from a biblical perspective in the future. But what I wasn't expecting to find as I studied Galatians 5 was a political undertone. And so it's in the text and we're going to hit it. And um, we'll hit it again later in the Lightning Rod series. I was trying to wait until we broke the 200 attendance barrier. That way, if half the people left, we'd still have 100. And, uh, <laughs> but here we go. Uh, today's going to be a little different. Um, you know, I'm not a linear type speaker a lot of times. You guys have noticed that. It's like rabbit trail all over the place. Uh, linear speakers are just kind of very bullet pointed and just one, two, three. I don't, you know, I tr- I've tried that. I do it sometimes. I'm just not great at it. And, uh, but today will be more linear. We're going to look at these words just one by one, and we're going to go straight down. So it's going to be a little different flow. might even feel classroomish. 
uh, just hang with me and um, we're going to just allow the spirit of the Lord to speak to us as we dig a little deeper into what these words mean. Now, to understand um, what's happening here, to understand these are, uh, are how opposite the acts of the flesh from the fruit of the spirit are. We go back just a few verses. Right, so we read in Galatians chapter five, verse 16. This is before he lists the acts of the flesh. And he's, he's drawing this contrast between the Spirit of God living in us, the fruit of the Spirit, and also the acts of the flesh. All right, so verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then he gives us this list, right? There's this, there's this, these two things, right? The acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit could not be more opposite. They are opposing forces contrary to each other. All right, so let's jump in. The first one, sexual immorality. The definition of this, as I studied through the Greek and all of that, and listen, I'm no Greek scholar, that's Pastor Johnny. He's the one that almost has his doctorate in something. I don't know, but he's very smart. So yeah, he'll tell me later in staff meeting if I mess something up. But uh, you, could, you could study this out for yourself. And, and we were talking about this in small groups the other day. Somebody was saying, look, I don't just take everything he says. I go home and study it for myself. And I encourage you to do the same. Like when I'm throwing out something maybe you've never heard before, go back and study it. Make sure it's right. All right. Sexual immorality. The definition of this is illicit sexual intercourse. Adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, and intercourse with close relatives. Now, some of the things in this list that Paul gives seemed like extremes. Like maybe these activities are on the fringes, right? And it doesn't really apply to me. I'm just an everyday person. I'm not participating in illicit sexual intercourse or sex with relatives or animals. We look at our culture today often and we say things like the world has gone crazy. But the reality is, is that the craziness has always been there. All the way back to the Old Testament, thousands of years ago, when God made having sex with animals against the law. On some levels, it feels like that could have been left off of the list. We're like, hey, does this really need to be spelled out? But apparently so. And maybe you're wondering why I'm focusing on this so much why I would focus on it at all. But I want us to realize that the world has not suddenly gone crazy. The world suddenly went crazy when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And from then until now, Satan has been working to pervert everything that God has made beautiful. Sin and sickness and disease and hatred and every evil thing under the sun is what the enemy brought at that moment when Adam and Eve sinned. That's why we need Jesus. Because Jesus came to save us from our sin and to restore or reconcile us to right relationship with the Father. All right, we're going to, just, we're going to go through the list. The segues aren't going to be great. Uh, impurity. Impurity just means uncleanness. It said that in a moral sense, the impurity of, it was impurity of a lustful, luxurious, profligate living or impure motives. And some of these words are not words we use regularly, so I had to look them up. Uh, profligate. Anybody ever heard of that word before? Okay, so profligate living is this. Recklessly extravagant, 
or wasteful in the use of resources. I mean, if that doesn't describe American culture, I don't know what does. Recklessly extravagant and wasteful in the use of resources. Look, the issue isn't how much we have. The issue is how do we steward the blessings that God has given us? You've said it countless times. We're blessed to be a blessing. How are we stewarding the resources that we have? That's what Pastor David was talking about. We support them as Go Family Ministries, and they're doing all kinds of missions work as behind the scenes. And we need to do a better job moving forward of elevating Go so that you understand our partnership and how all of that's working together. Right? We're blessed to be a blessing. How are we stewarding the resources that we have? I don't want to be recklessly extravagant. I want to be extravagantly generous. Generosity is one of our core values as a church. And I dream of the day that we are loving our neighbor as ourselves and for every two dollars that comes in, one goes back out. Not just on a personal level, but as a church, if, if we were able to give away 50 percent of everything that came in, what an amazing testimony that would be to God's faithfulness. I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't have nice things. I'm not trying to draw a line in the sand. Oh, if you cross this line, you are now recklessly extravagant. Look, Paul is telling us indirectly that stewardship is a fruit of the spirit. Remember, the acts of the flesh are opposite of the fruit of the spirit. And he's telling us that being reckless with our resources is an act of the flesh. So stewardship, therefore, would be a fruit of the spirit. He's telling us not to be wasteful. He goes on debauchery. This is unbridled lust, no sexual restraint, filled with sexual desire. You see that everywhere in our culture, everywhere. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Inhumane and merciless. Man, the amount of things that just jumped out at me through this passage. We're living in a culture that's just inhumane and merciless. We have so many first responders that are part of our, our church and and, and you guys are seeing that stuff on the front lines where you're just dealing with people and things. There's just no mercy whatsoever. We're just in a complete revenge state of mind. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, or I'm going to do worse to you. Inhumane, merciless. These are acts of the flesh. Idolatry. See, when we elevate anyone or anything above the place of God, that's idolatry. In ancient times, this would have included an ornament or a statue or an image of another god. So it would, it would have been often an intentional act of worship, worshiping a god other than the one true god. In today's culture, we find idolatry in all kinds of forms. Our phones, our jobs, our families, our hobbies, our ministries. See, sometimes what we're called to do for God can become an idol. We spend extensive time talking about this in the first part of the year. But God has called us to be before we do. And the moment that our doing for God exceeds a level that our being with God can sustain, we have moved into idolatry. Author and pastor Pete Scazzaro calls it a spiritual deficit. And he says this, quote, spiritual deficits reveal themselves in too much activity. Unhealthy Christ followers engage in more activities than their combined spiritual, physical, and emotional reserves can sustain. They give out more for God than they receive from Him. Listen, we cannot allow the good things that God has placed in our life to be elevated to the place of an idol above God. 
He continues, witchcraft. Witchcraft, the root word here is pharmakia, where we would get our word pharmacy, pharmaceuticals. And so witchcraft, as it's described, is really talking about the use of drugs. Now, this would have been, in, in the biblical culture, it would have been placing spells on someone by using potions, things you see in Disney movie, and the witch, and you're stirring it up. That's really, it, we, we recognize that as witchcraft because there's a witch that's doing the thing. But really, she's putting together this concoction of things, which would be drugs in our culture. Where people would reach a certain euphoria under the influence of these concoctions that were made. And so when he talks about witchcraft, it's not just casting spells and seances and doing these things. It can be boiled down to the pharmakia, the use of drugs. He continues, hatred. Hostile. This means hostile, hating, opposing one another, and odious. Anybody know what that word means? I found this very interesting that odious means arousing hatred, arousing hatred. See, when we allow outside sources to arouse hatred in us, we are then responding to an act of the flesh. This is not the Holy Spirit of God. And maybe this feels like, like you know, hey, I, don't, I don't let people arouse hate in me. I don't I put those people out of my life. Well, when's the last time you watched CNN? When's the last time you watched Fox News? You think they're not arousing hatred? Some of you are like, I don't watch CNN. Why? Because you hate them. How did that hatred get there? It's been aroused in us. And just so you know, I'm an equal opportunity hater. I don't watch Fox, CNN, ABC, MS, but I don't watch any of it. Our culture, our media, our politicians, our pastors are being used to arouse hate in us. Would you watch something or listen to something, even if it's under the biblical or church umbrella, and it arouses hate inside of you, you can recognize that as an act of the flesh. It is not the Holy Spirit of God. Hatred toward opposing political parties. Hatred toward people of different races and cultures. Hatred toward people of different faiths and religion. I got to be careful as we move here because uh, this gets me jacked up. Pastor Bishop Tim Hill always says, I got to be careful. I don't know if I'm anointed or mad. So <laughs> when we allow ourselves to be influenced by those who are propagating hate, we are being shaped by the acts of the flesh and not the spirit of God. We have to be careful. So it's not just hating your brother. It's allowing hatred to be aroused inside of us. Either is an act of the flesh. He continues discord. Discord means contention or strife. Strife means lack of agreement or harmony. Does this sound like anyone you know? Does it sound like you? Does it sound like me? Don't answer that, Mom. <laughs> Does this sound like the church? Listen, I know that in regards to culture, we cannot simply agree with everything that's happening. Right? We have a standard that must be upheld. Our attitude 
But our attitude toward our brothers and sisters in Christ cannot be one of discord. Like if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times since we began this church. It is not our job to win people to our political party. It's our job to win people to Christ. And if I could take it a step further, when we elevate our political party and beliefs above Christ, we lose the opportunity to win those who think differently than us. And in today's culture, that's about 50% of America. So if all we're trying to do is eliminate the ability to reach 50% of the people in our country or in our community, then let's just elevate politics above Christ and see what happens. Of the words of Andy Stanley in his book, Not In It to Win It, and he says, quote, stereotyping and demonizing an entire political party is foolish. All statements that begin with all Republicans are inaccurate. All statements that begin with all Democrats are equally inaccurate. Let's keep moving. Jealousy and envy. I'll lump these two together. Even though there are some differences, they're definitely related. A simplified definition would be this resentment towards another person because of something that they have. I mean, we could spend an entire message talking about jealousy and envy and comparison. I mean, our culture, social media thrives on comparison, right? And if we're not careful, we'll get sucked into a deep, dark pit I mean, as a, as a pastor, and I'm, if I'm on social media, I see all these baptisms that one church is having or the success of an event that they're having. Instead of being kingdom minded and celebrating with someone, I could easily slip into jealousy. I mean, I have two church planter friends right now who have recently secured a permanent facility. One in the Daytona area and the other was Charles, Lung, Charles Young of Revo Church in Ocala, which we went and helped him begin to paint and renovate his facility. I could easily get into a poor old me mindset. Oh, here we are. And we've been doing this and we've been doing that. But what jealousy and comparison do are rob me of seeing and celebrating what God is doing now. When we live with the mindset of jealousy and envy, it will rob us of our joy. It will rob us of our peace. It will rob us of the fruit of the spirit in our lives. He continues, fits of rage, passionate, heated, boiling anger. We could liken this probably to a temper tantrum, but as an adult, the consequences can be devastating. I mean, if my three-year-old throws a tantrum, I can pop him on the behind and tell him, hey, we don't act like that. But it seems to me we have a lot of professing Christ followers who are throwing temper tantrums about stuff that doesn't go their way. And look, I'm guilty. I've done it. I come over here and tell my stories. I make them funny. And everybody laughs at my <laughs> hypocrisy almost when I tell you stories of drive through And those of you that are you, my old G's, the people that have been here a long time, you heard the stories of me throwing frying pans at the front door and things like that. I'm sure my neighbor's like, this is a pastor? <laughs> I've certainly had my moments of fits of rage, but we, the body of Christ, have got to get it together because the world is watching us. What do they see? Just because things don't go our way, we can't be throwing temper tantrums in person or on social media. Selfish ambition, he continues. This is a self-seeking pursuit. The context of this word is actually a political word called erethea. And the connotation is I'll do anything to win as long as I get my way. But Christ has not called us to get our way. 
Christ has called us to serve others. He's called us to die to self. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will. Your will be done. He continues. Dissensions. This is divisions and strife. Any of this sound familiar in America or in the church? I know this is kind of heavy for Father. Happy Father's Day. Let me, let me punch you right in the gut. Dissensions. All right, this is divisions. Again, strife. See, not only are we fighting the same battles as the world, What's most concerning to me is we're fighting the same battles in the same manner that the world is fighting. Name calling, belittling, demonizing, criticizing, venting, ranting. Hashtag rant over. But this is where we are. Name calling, belittling. Prayers appreciated because I hate X, Y, and Z. Really all we're doing is creating dissension. I'm throwing a temper tantrum because we aren't getting what we want. Listen, Paul is clear. We don't fight the battles in the same way that the world fights them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, he says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up above, above the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, as Christ followers, we fight in the spiritual realm first. I'm not saying that we don't vote. I'm not saying we sit around and just let whatever comes come. I'm, I'm saying that there's a right and a wrong way to engage our culture and if we are being people of dissension, then we are operating in the flesh and not in the spirit. It would do every person in this room some good to have a relationship with someone who thinks differently, looks differently and votes differently than we do. We're too interested in monologue and not interested enough in dialogue. And sometimes what brings reconciliation is sitting across the table from someone who has an opposing view and truly listening to their story. My perspective on race, I didn't know that I had even what would be considered microaggressions until I served four years at a church in Gainesville where the white population was the minority in our church and all only white people in our youth group was me and my family. And I built lifelong bonds with black and brown boys and girls at the time, teenagers who have now grown into young men and young women. Some of them were here last week. They came just to hang out with us and they're like family to us. I didn't realize that I, I didn't have hate. I would have never considered myself a racist, but I realized that there were things in my heart that I didn't even know. And you know how I found out? By sitting down with these people and talking to them. Sitting down with a 16-year-old black boy or black girl and say, how do you feel right now when all the craziness is going on in culture? And it had been real easy for me at the time to, to just regurgitate my Fox News 
talking points or my 97.3 Talk FM talking points or Bob Rose in the morning or whatever show you might listen to and just regurgitate to that, that to them. But you know what? They had real feelings and I was looking them in the eye and I saw their tears and I heard their story and I heard their perspective. And I said, you know what? Maybe Fox News is wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And it came from listening to the story of someone who looked differently, thought differently, voted differently. I told you I didn't want to give this message. <laughs> it is what it is. We can't just skip over things in the Bible that are hard. And we got too much of, of trying to make the Bible say what we want it to say instead of letting the Bible interpret itself. And we're not going to do that here. If next week there's 25 people, then so be it. But we're going to do what God's Word says. Amen. We're going to follow the Spirit of God. When He moves, we're going to operate in the gifts uh, in a scriptural way. It's not going to be this free-for-all, just absolute craziness. We're going to do what Scripture says, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. That's how we're going to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to operate and we're going to live our lives with the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. He continues, factions, this is also kind of a political term. It means the act of taking, capturing, or storming a city. And there's a lot more nuance to this definition. It can also be a group of people that are following their own tenets, which speaks to what I was just talking about. In the New Testament, it could have been Pharisees, Sadducees, Christians, these different groups following their own tenets. In America, it might be Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. See, when we leave behind the tenets of our faith and replace them intentionally or unintentionally with the tenets of a political party or group, then we are walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. We are not Republican first. We are not Democrat first. We are not American first. We are Christian first. Our allegiance is to a kingdom, not a country, to a king, not a president. Envy, we already talked about when we talked about jealousy. Drunkenness, it's just simply intoxication, being drunk. Orgies, this is, a, this is more than a sexual gathering of multiple parties. The implication is a drunken party. The biblical word is carousing, which has a lot of implications. It's partying, overindulgence, wild sex, etc. These are acts of the flesh. I'm winding down so we can all take a deep breath. Galatians 5.19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's warning is stern and it's clear. And my encouragement to us is to search our hearts. Maybe you're not out having illicit sex and just getting drunk and whatever. But where's your heart regarding America and its leaders and politics? Maybe it's time to be self-reflective. Have our politics become an idol? 
when I was typing this, I wrote parts of this message have been heavy. I probably could rewrite all of this message has been heavy. But I'll say again, God is calling us to be people of his spirit. Not just his gifts, but also his fruit. The world is hungry. And they're looking for fruit. And I like what Katie said in our e-group, our small group this past Thursday. When we cultivate the fruits of the Spirit, it's not just for us. Because what the world is hungry for, we can produce with the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm producing love and I run into somebody who needs love, that love is not just for me. They can pick some of my fruit and they can experience the love of God through the fruit of the Spirit. The peace of God, as it flourishes in my life, it's not just for me. When I experience someone who's just in complete turmoil because gas prices and inflation and I'm losing my house and all this stuff, and the peace of God, and they say, how are you staying so full of peace? And I've developed this peace, this fruit of the Spirit. They can take some of that and they can take a bite. Because the fruits aren't just for us. It's for those that are around us. But I think what happens sometimes is like, oh, I have the love of God. And they take a piece of our fruit and they take a bite and it's a rotten apple. And they're like, no thanks. If this is the fruit of the Spirit, I can find something better at the bar. I want to close by reading a quote from Jesus himself. Adrian, you can come play. You'll find his words in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you already you are already clean because of the word that i've spoken to you remain in me as i also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me i am the vine Jesus is the vine. You, I, we are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you are here last week, you heard my story of how I nearly burned the neighborhood down by throwing my Christmas tree on a fire pit. I can't help but feel like John was looking prophetically in the future and he saw me standing there with 15 foot high flames going, eh. We will bear much fruit if we stay connected to Jesus. The issue with the Galatian church beyond political woes, beyond sexual immorality, beyond all of the things that he lists as acts of the flesh is that they were selfish. 
They were more concerned about themselves than anyone else. They were concerned about me, me, me. They were not preferring others above themselves. But the way of Jesus is, is, is denial of self. It's the servanthood of others. When we deny ourselves and we connect to the true vine, which is Jesus, we will bear much fruit. Look at, the, look at that verse again in John 15, 1. I am the true vine. I find that, the, I find that verbiage interesting. Because he's the true vine, meaning that we can connect to vines that are not the true vine. We can connect to political vines. We can connect to sexual vines. We can connect to selfish vines. But the only way to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is to connect to the true vine, which is Jesus. We've talked about this in this series, and we've said it multiple times. We talked about it even this last week in our small group. But there are moments where we have to take our belief systems, pull them up by the roots, and shine the light of God's Word on it and find out if what we believe is even biblical anymore. We can't just pass on these non-biblical just traditions of men. Jesus said that the traditions of men make the Word of God ineffective. He's calling us to be people of the Spirit, not just the gifts, but His fruit. And the only way to bear fruit is to connect to the true vine, which is Jesus. Paul continues. Galatians 5, 22. We're going to talk about these the rest of this series, so hopefully we're not going to get smacked so heavily moving forward. You can only take so much. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Again, there's the denial of self. The way of Jesus is a denial of self. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. God is calling us to be people of His Spirit. Not just His gifts, but the fruit. We can't just embrace the fruit. We also have to reject what He calls the acts of the flesh. And when we read through that list, again, it feels like extremes. But when you dig a little deeper, it hits a little closer to home. And my encouragement for every person in this room today and those that I watch later online and those that are watching online right now, it's just be willing to say, God, show me. Holy Spirit, show me where I 
am operating in the acts of the flesh and not in the fruit of the Spirit. The reality is, if we're not willing to ask God to show us where we're wrong, we're elevating ourselves above God. If I'm not willing to say, God, if I'm not willing to even ponder the idea that I could be wrong, you're done, you're done growing. There will be no more fruit. Whatever fruit you have will be all the fruit you have. There will be no growth in your life. Spiritually, you'll be done. And that translates really to every area of your life. You get a new job, you're not willing to learn, you're not going to last long. And sadly, that's where we find ourselves, I think, a lot of times. We think we know everything. But we don't. I don't know everything. And on a regular basis, I'm saying, God, show me. Show me. I have to go back and correct things. I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago, and I said something that I, I didn't even, I didn't mean it mean I didn't mean it to be hurtful, but when I hung up the phone, I felt like I hurt them. I felt like I jabbed them unintentionally. And what I said was, it was true. And again, I wasn't even trying to be demeaning. I was just having a conversation about something. But when I hung up, I felt so yucky inside. Even though my motive was pure, I knew that I had unintentionally hurt this man. And he's a man of God. And I called him back right then and I said, I'm sorry for what I just said. I, I didn't mean it to come across. And I, we hung up. Then I texted him. And I said, if I've said anything that was offensive in any way, what? And I said, please, I'm asking you to sincerely forgive me. Why am I sharing that? Because we don't always get it right. But I could have hung up the phone and been like, I was right. What I said was true. And it was right on some levels, but it created hurt. So I had to go to the Holy Spirit and say, he just told me immediately, which I'm thankful for that. Because sometimes God, it feels like some of us, are, our conscience is so seared, we don't even hear from the Holy Spirit. When I hung on that phone, I knew I'd heard it. And I'm just saying that some of us need to evaluate our lives and say, Holy Spirit, what, what in my life, what language am I using that brings hurt to somebody? What language am I using that creates dissension? What language am I using? What, what actions am I performing that's creating discord? What things am I posting that's an act of the flesh and not flowing from the Spirit? Let's ask it. Another one of our core values is being Spirit-led. And I trust that the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you will open up and say, show me, He will show you. And wouldn't it be amazing if the Holy Spirit, we allowed Him to direct our lives, all of us. And it wouldn't be the Holy Spirit told me to do this and the Holy Spirit told Aaron to do this. And we're going, well, that doesn't. It would be the Holy Spirit and God's Word telling us all to act and behave in the same manner. What would happen to our culture? I think deep life change would happen.
Because it would go to Aaron and say, there's, there's some love, I could take that. Oh, your love tastes exactly like this over here. You guys must be, oh, that's the fruit of the Spirit, I see that. Not you say one thing, you say something else. We both call it love and take it by. Yours tastes sweet and mine tastes like a rotten piece of fruit. Let's pray. God, I don't even know how to close this out. I just want to take a moment and invite you into my own life and say, please show me where I'm wrong. Please show me where I'm operating in the acts of the flesh. And I pray, God, that the people that are sitting here under the sound of my voice would be willing to do the same. God, that they would be willing to take a moment, open their hearts, and say, what areas of my life am I operating in the flesh and not the fruit of the Spirit? God, as we talked about last week, repentance means turning and going the other way, changing our mind. God, help us to repent of areas that are the acts of the flesh, to turn around and go the other way, so that times of refreshing and revival can come. Help us, God. God, I pray blessing on every person that's here. God, I pray that somehow they would be encouraged and not beat up. They would sense your love and they would sense you drawing us closer to you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, We'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.